hope you've been enjoying Colossians so far. Uh, we've had Ryan and Chris and Brendan speak. Uh, basically, I'll do a quick recap and then we'll get into this passage. Uh, Colossians was written by Paul, probably from prison in Rome, to the saints of the city of a town, of a city called Colossae or Colossae. It can be pronounced either way. Uh, Ep- Epaphras was the person that brought the message to Colossae. Uh, he'd been converted uh, in Ephesus, probably, and um, he brought the message. And Paul was very, very thankful for the Colossian church. He was thankful for their faith, their love, and their hope. He's prayerful also that their spiritual wisdom and understanding will grow, which is part of what passage today is that we're getting into. He stresses particularly that Jesus Christ is God. He's not a prophet. He's not um, part of a string of different people. Jesus is God. He is the one that was there before creation existed. He is the one that's... And the reason is that he's a part of God. Like, if Jesus isn't a part of God, then what are, you, what are, you, what are we here for? Um, but the reason was that later on in the early church, people were saying that Jesus wasn't God. Maybe he was just a person. Maybe he was part person. Um, we'll get into a little bit of that later. Um, Paul has been through toils, hardships, and persecution, but is so thankful for the faith and the discipline of the Colossians. And we need to grow deeper into our understanding of God. We we can't just live on milk as Christians. We need to actually find out more about God and grow deeper. And that's was his desire in Colossians. If you've got Colossians open, just keep it open there. It's verses 6 and 7, seven says, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thankfulness runs through Colossians. We need to walk in Christ. You'll find that in this passage, it talks about being in Christ. We do things through Christ and things we do for Christ. We need to be rooted in him. That needs to be our position in life. Uh, back in chapter 2 verse 4 Brendan read it last week it says that no one may delude you by plausible arguments and verse 8 continues see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ as Christians we are born into Christ but so often we're drawn back to the ways of the world. Questions that we need to ask is, who am I? What influences me? What do I believe? What do I value? A lot of that comes from where you grew up. Now, I wanted to stand up and say today that I grew up on a farm. But I didn't. However, when I was five... My parents built a house, and um, it was down a dirt road, 
And opposite us was a dairy farm, a living, working dairy farm. Unfortunately, that was in Glen Waverley. If you know Melbourne, it's almost in the middle of Melbourne now. So, um, but we did have home delivery back then. We had the, uh, it sounds like I'm, I'm very old, but I'm not that old. Uh, we had a horse and cart that used to come down with delivering milk bottles. This was early 70s. This wasn't 90. And we had a little bread van that used to come down and deliver fresh bread every day. Uh, they didn't last long, though. Where did you grow up? Some people grew up in Australia. Some people South America, Africa, Asia. We have people from everywhere here. But how much of our lives have been shaped by Christ and how much has been shaped by the culture we live in? In this passage, it says, let no one take you captive. Now, this can be translated as just stealing a ship's cargo. So come, someone comes along with um, nice words, clever words, and they, they're actually empty words, and they leave you feeling empty. Galatians 4, 8 to 11 says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Who's, who, sorry, um, who wants you to be slaves once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid over you in vain. Same type of thing is happening in Colossians as Galatians. They're going back to their traditions, the way that they grew up. The world claims to know a lot. We're told that science has somehow proved evolution. We're told that good works will get us into heaven. We have a whole woke movement with all types of things that they're telling us at the moment. We have mantras, some, are, some like, be true to yourself. You do you. Live your best life. What does Colossians say we should do? I want to go back and have a quick look at where Colossians, where the city of Colossae was. Um, if you have a look on Google Maps, which is where we go these days, you'll find that Colossae is now pretty much a few stones in a paddock. Um, back then, Colossae was close to Laodicea, which you might remember from other places in the Bible. And Paul actually wrote a letter to Laodicea as well, but we don't have that. And it was next to a place called... So Laodicea was about 10 k's away. Hierapolis was about 10 k's away, which was like a spa town. Um, it was about 150 k's inland, a bit like Bendigo. Colossae was actually the smaller of the three towns. And so it doesn't matter whether you have a huge church or a small church. God still wants to speak, and God was doing a work in Colossae. 
it wasn't a place made up of one tradition or one set of gods. What had happened is the local people who are actually called the Phrygians with a PH had a god, had their goddess Sibylle and she was called the mother of nature. A bit like our mother nature that some people believe in these days. The Greeks had come across and they had all their gods, including Zeus and Venus and a myriad of other ones. Romans had come along and they had their gods, Apollo, Vulcan, Neptune. You might have seen them on the movies, but um, they all had the different gods. So it was steeped in Greek culture. The Romans were running the area. And at one stage, the Greeks had actually pulled a heap of Jewish people across moved moved them years ago and there was probably 50,000 50, Jewish people in that specific area. Now, if you look on Google Maps, it's in the middle of central Turkey. Probably different people there now. There's been lots of population movements since. But there was a thousand different people saying, this is the God to follow, that's the God to follow. Um, and so that gives us context for this specific um, chapter. Now, does anyone use ChatGPT? Yep, well, a couple of people. Um, I was looking at to what has been the biggest cultural shifts in the world, and somebody said it was the it would be the introduction of um, the introduction of adaptive AI. However, well, there is. This, uh, I don't know if you've been watching what's happened to ChatGPT. It's opened by owned by OpenAI. Um, the reason I'm interested in it, we went to see the movie called The Creator a couple of weeks ago, which is a bit of a weird movie. Um, but it's about it's whether it'll change our culture. This this week, uh, about a week ago, um, the guy who was the head of ChatGPT called Sam Altman was given the boot, the board of the company OpenAI gave him the boot. Um, and they were doing it because they were worried about where AI was going. And it's a discussion that we'll probably have in the future. Um, but they were worried that it was meant to be set up as a safe, safe for humans, but it, it, it had gone into a multi-billion dollar company the investors came in and and basically the board kicked the guy who was running it off because they were worried about it. The investors came in and they kicked the board out and reinstated Sam Altman as the head of OpenAI. What's they got to do with this? Culture's changing, but there is some major cultural changes that have happened in the world. And... A lot of people on a forum I looked at said the biggest cultural change happened when alphabets and language came in. That was about the 1000 BC. And what happened after that is um, you had the whole world basically changed. The way that political structures were changed before, and this is really handy if, when, if you're reading the Bible, before about 1000 BC, kings were all important. They were godlike. You'd look at Egypt, Assyria, Babylon. 
kings controlled everything. As alphabets and language developed, the whole thing changed and you started to get democracies. You started to get senates. The Rome was actually a, a republic when it started. So culture changed. With that culture change, there was also music. Um, all the different sciences, uh, maths became important. You also got um, poetry. You got the theatre opening up. You got playwrights. Um, a thousand things happened, and that was probably the biggest cultural change that happened. That's what I would say was the biggest cultural change. The world changed, and with that, you started getting philosophers. So Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, and there's a heap of other ones, and playwrights about 400, 500 BC came in and started changing the way people thought. And a lot of the quotes that we hear today were quotes from some of those philosophers. So a lot of our culture is affected by that. But in the time of Colossi, they were very, basically Greek culture. Even though the Romans had taken over the political system, they spoke Greek and Greek culture was very, very important. One of the central pillars of Greek culture was a thing called dualism. And um, dualism basically says that matter is evil and um, spirit is good. So the world is an evil place, but anything spiritual is good. So people started creating all these ways that you could become spiritual. And if you remember where we were in, in Colossians, that's what the culture was that was prevalent. And that's what Paul was trying to say. We'll get to it a little bit later. But the dualism had an enormous impact on the culture of Colossi, and indeed it does today. The other thing that happened in Colossi was a thing called syncretism. Syn yeah, syncretism. And that was the blending of your God with my God, with somebody else's God, with philosophical beliefs. And when it talks about philosophy here, it's actually talking about different philosophical beliefs. So you could create your own philosophical beliefs and mix it all together. Is that relevant to us today? It's the world we live in, isn't it? You can blend anything together, your beliefs, your values, and everything's okay. That's not what being in Christ is about. Let's think of, think of today's culture. What are some of the things that 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 we sort of get constantly bombarded at us? That I am the center of the universe. That commitment is depending on how I feel, and that includes marriage and parental commitments. That freedom is doing what I want when I want to do it. The truth is subjective and subject to my opinion, that I can change my body however I like, and um, 
I can even choose to terminate my, terminate my own life if I'm uncomfortable with it. That climate change is the greatest challenge facing the world today and the humans are the worst creatures alive. That we should believe in the so-called science of evolutionary theory that is taught as a fact. That fear is me getting what I want. That money makes the world go round. And that if I work hard, I deserve all the comforts I should get. It is challenging living in these belief systems. We look at the TV, gaming, social media, we're bombarded with that. We look at music, we're bombarded with that. What should our response be? If you go back to 2 Corinthians, verse 9 to 15, it says, For in him the whole fullness of the deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision made without human hands, by putting off the circumcision of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespass and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. It doesn't compute the two worlds, do they? It's two different things. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. Our response, response should be whatever I do, whoever I am, wherever I live, it needs to be in in Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus. Earlier we let, read in Deuteronomy, and often the Old Testament's hard to read, that those particular area of Deuteronomy is a fantastic picture of the heart of God. It says that God wants us to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, to keep his commandments. Verse 16 says that it is our hearts that need circumcising and we don't need to be stubborn. What does this mean? God is much more interested in our spiritual state than our physical state. God is concerned with our heart condition far more than our bodies, what we eat or how we dress. When we are baptised, it is the turning of our heart over to Christ. This is the circumcision of Christ. Our old self is buried and we are raised into new life. This is opening your heart to God, opening him to the deepest parts of your life, overcoming your stubbornness and letting God in. Paul continues in Colossians. Therefore, and let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. 
These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on ascetism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head for whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, reference to things that all perishes they are used, according to the human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. What are some of these things? What is ascetism? It's to do with the dualism that we were talking about before that taught that the body was evil and that um, anything spiritual was good. So if you are spiritual, you would get rid of your material possessions. There was lots of different people saying lots of different things on how to how to get more holy um, do not touch do not taste do not handle are, are we do we do these type of things there's certain religious people that do they say, if you are a Christian, then you'll have to do this, you'll have to be this. Uh, that is not our calling. Our calling is a lot simpler than that. Um, worship of angels or heavenly beings. Not saying that this is the same, but today we worship pop stars, movie stars, sports stars. If we talk about this all the time, then I would suggest there's a problem. Going on in detail about vision, visions. The Greek translates this to see with the eyes, visions, to see with the eyes, or to see with the mind or perceive. We have constant news of streaming. It's easy to be drawn in and to binge watch some new Netflix series. To be puffed up without reason by his sensual mind, inflated by his human mind. I find it sad sometimes when people carry on and on and on about their opinion about something. They never give a minute to ask God what he thinks about it. If we read the book of Proverbs sometimes, we would soon be deflated by what is said in there. We need to eat, to worship, to dream, to think. God created this world. We don't say only spiritual things are good and anything to do with us is evil. We appreciate what God has made. We don't live in that, but we appreciate it. But these shouldn't be our primary focus. Verse Twenty states with Christ you died to the elemental 
elemental or basic principles of the world. Let's look at Mark, which we read from before. This is just a part of it. And he said to the Pharisees and scribes, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold on to the commandment of men. We have the free gift of salvation that frees us from the law. Our identity should be in Christ. We've been set free by the blood of Jesus on the cross as we celebrate in communion. We've been brought into new life with Christ together as we celebrate through baptism. Instead of judging others, what they eat or drink or do, look at. let us examine ourselves. We need to do everything in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. Do you like gardening? Great. Do it in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. Are you a vegan? Great. Do it in Jesus, through Jesus, for Jesus. Do you love meat? Great. Do it in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. Do you like going down to the mosh pit? Great. Do it in Jesus, for Jesus, through Jesus. Do you like to paint, play, play music? Great. Who should we do it for? Jesus. Do you like to exercise, play sport? Great. Do you like card games or books? Great. It's not what we do. It's what we do it for. Is our judge other people? Our judge is Christ. He gave us a way today to live in freedom. So does freedom just mean doing your own thing? Life is not about doing your own thing. Life is not about being comfortable. Life is not about trying to please people. Being in Christ is about creating a place where who we are and what we do bring us closer to Christ and help others get closer to Christ. Next week, we're going to discuss some of the ways that um, practical examples of how living with Christ helps us. What should our motto be? To live in Christ, through Christ, for Christ. We are set apart to do that. We're not like the world. We don't need to live like the world. I love the fact that we can come to reforming and share with you guys. I think it's a great thing and we can talk about anything. We can talk about what we've been doing and we don't have to talk about sport all the time or um, movies all the time. Nothing wrong with those things. But why are we here? To be in Christ. God made a way for us. Our path of sinfulness was destruction, but Jesus set us free, nailing our sins to the cross. We are now in Christ. We have died and been raised into a new life. This week, it would be great to look at part of our lives and examine what is actually in Christ. What, how has culture affected me 
and how can I be separate from the culture of the world? Now, I'm a bit more a practical person, so I thought, uh, let's do something practical here. So I want you to pull your keys out and, um, so that, that's my car key. A few years ago, uh, with my first car, as you do, uh, I crashed it into a tree. It was a Ford Cortina, so it was no big loss, uh, which you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, it wasn't a Tirana. Um, at that stage, it's like, okay, let's give my car over to God. Like, when I get a new car now, it's like, I sit in it and I pray and I say, let's give that over to God. What else have we got on me? on our keys here we've got a house keys do you pray that your house will be used as a vessel for God like that God can use um, I've got work keys there do I pray that at work I won't be just living in a culture and expecting to be part of that culture or am I actually saying I want to go to work with Christ uh, what else have we got in our pockets well I've got a, a wallet. It's got my money. Is my money for me or is it for Christ? I've got my license, my identity. Is my identity about me or is it about Christ? I've got my Bunnings card, the important thing. When I go shopping, that's what guys, where guys go shopping. Well, that's where I go shopping. Um, Am I praying that in that situation that the money that I spend will be used for Christ? Now, I think it's time to get a bit more personal. My phone. When I spend time on my phone, is it for Christ? Do I download? I've got some good apps of late. I've got my Bible app. That's always handy. Um, while I've been preparing this, I've got a different app called Blue Letter Bible that um, called BLB um, and it's been really handy because it takes you it's like a concordance and a reference and you can go back to Greek not that I understand Greek but sometimes it helps with that I actually really like Spotify um, because I can now look up music and get playlists that other people have normally created uh my favorite um, type of music is like I would probably look up Christian indie music, which is more like folky type music. Brendan would know better what <laughs> the term proper terminology is, but um, when you use your phone, is it for yourself? Is it for Christ? We need to give every part of our beings over to Christ. Even doing this, there's things that's like, I will pray that what I do, that the time I spend with people, the that it can be for Christ and not for me. I don't live for comfort. I don't live for, well, that's, I fail. But um, it's not the ultimate end goal is to be as comfortable as possible. 
or it shouldn't be. It should be for being with Christ. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for the things that you tell us and say. We thank you that we are set apart to live for you, Lord God, to let every let you be in every area of our lives. We pray that the culture of this world won't overcome us, that we won't constantly want to be in this world, but that you will help us to be in this world, to enjoy what you have made, but but to live in you, through you, and for you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.